Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Good very good Saturday morning to you. It is 8 o'clock, just a couple of minutes after. This is Drive Time Radio, 1150 KKNW in Seattle where we look out upon the automotive world. And after that newscast, I got to tell you, I don't want to talk about news. I don't want to talk about what's bad. I want to talk about what's good in the world. And that uh, at least in this corner of the world, every Saturday morning, we talk about cars and mobility and electrics and gas engines and whatever, whatever turns you on in cars, we talk about it here. Right here with your car talking buddy, New York Vinny. And I thank you for coming along for the ride every Saturday morning at eight o'clock. Got a good show for you today. Lots of information packed in, lots of lots of stuff that you could use, and a little music, and a couple we got a car review. We got a yo Vinny, what are you driving this? We got we got it all for you, man. Just uh sit back, call your friends, and tell them to uh crank it up and listen to the stuff that's going on. As a matter of fact, if you're not doing anything, and you're here maybe in the North Seattle shoreline, um, uh, South Snohomish County area. There's uh, the great Cars and Coffee uh, that happens every Saturday morning at uh, in Shoreline, the Shoreline Cars and Coffee, right uh, just off Aurora by the uh, China. Uh, the market is there. That um, I'm trying to remember now the name of the, that market. It's right there, but it's right, you know, right at a hundred and. Uh, um, uh, Aurora, where it splits off to go down to Ballard. Um, you can't miss it. You'll see all these great cars. We've been looking at the Facebook stuff, and we're going to go out there live, um, I think, next week, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to go out and do the show live from there, so we'll be able to bring you a little bit more of uh, of what's going on there. But the uh, cars and coffees and all the different uh, car shows and stuff like that. I'm getting them fast and furious on uh, my calendar. We just uh, saw the uh, my friend Lance Lambert is going to be hosting the Greenwood Car Show, which is always one of my favorites. You know, they closed off Greenwood Avenue in the 80s um, in Finney Ridge and Greenwood, and, and, and people just line up their cars. I've always loved that show. It was one of the first ones I ever went to uh, here in Seattle. As the, you know, just a ton of uh, really good car shows. The one that I'm really interested in, and, you know, I got the thing for it, the, the paper for it, but I don't know that I have it right in front of me, but it, I'll, I'll get the dates. We're actually going to have uh, the person on that's putting the show together. It is, uh, and I'm really excited about, uh, <laughs> about this. It is a vintage trailer show vintage rv show and, and you know in case you haven't um you haven't noticed especially if you go on things like youtube you can um there's a lot of stuff around classic trailers rebuilding trailers and not just airstreams which are kind of the gold standard but a lot of these different um just regular 70s and 80s trailers uh and RVs, the ones that slide in the back of pickups. There's a lot of interest in them right now. And so they are putting together a big uh, fair out in Roslyn, big um, vintage RV show. 
And I really am interested in that. We're uh, I'm, I'm trying to work it out so that we actually go out there and broadcast from it uh, because I think it's going to be an awesome, an awesome thing to see. I remember I was at um, a good guy's car show in Ohio a few years ago in Columbus. It was the, the big main Ohio good guy's car show. And there were two or three of them there. And this one guy had just gutted this, um, this, Old Winnebago, you know the old Winnebagos that look like a uh, an angled bus. They had the big flat sides, and they're big and high. Well, this uh, and it had a Dodge chassis. This guy cut, um, pulled everything out and rebuilt the inside. And I mean, it looked like um, let's see. You ever see the movie Ten? I, I don't know if a lot of you see that movie, but it, it, it had the feel of a 60s bachelor pad. You know, it had like the uh, the big uh, bed that turned into a uh, couch that turned into a bed, and it had like a stereo, and it had the soft lights and the music. I mean, this thing was uh, was, <laughs> it was phenomenal, man. It looked like Tony Curtis or Dean Martin should have been riding around in this thing, you know, from those... Uh, 60s movies like uh, Boeing, Boeing, and you know all those all those uh, movies that uh, that that, that kind of key on the uh, early 60s relationship between men and women, which I can uh, tell you from experience is a lot different than the relationship is these days. But so that that'll be exciting to see. I will really be excited to see that and to um, you know to to get out there and see what's going on in that realm. It's a it's a growing market. And of course, we're getting ready for vacation time. I mean, uh, now I don't know what the price of gas and I'm trying to trying to get somebody that's truthful about this whole price of gas thing to tell us what they think is going to happen in July and August when most people go on vacation. Uh, I wonder you can always. Uh, Email me at Vinny at drivetime-radio.com. That's Vinny at drivetime-radio.com. Is the price of gas going to affect um, your vacation this year, especially if you are using an RV or, you know, a a camping, you know, some kind of camping apparatus? Is the price of gas, which is now tilting towards $6 a gallon, is that going to affect you? And how long of a trip you take, how much of a trip you take, if you even take a trip. I mean, you go to the gas, I mean, I filled up uh, this truck that I'm driving this week. I filled it up and it was $140 to fill it up. I mean, you know, you may think I'm uh, well off, but let me tell you something. $140 to fill up uh, uh, this uh, Lexus that I'm driving is crazy. Is absolutely crazy, but you're hoping that these prices somehow, some way are going to come down and that we're going to get some kind of relief on this. Because I, I do fear that it's going to stop people from going places this summer. I think it's going to, I think a summer that was very optimistic for people that they were going to get out, go different places, do things, get back into the, um, into the swing of camping and things like that. Although 
The last I looked, according to the folks at RV Miles, which uh, is a very good weekly news program about RV news that I that I watch, uh, it appeared that the uh, campgrounds are full. That it's really tough to find a campground, either private campgrounds or state parks or federal land or anything like that. That it's it's still very tough. So I guess people are doing without something else or to dip it into their retirement funds or what so that they can go on vacation. Because remember, over the last two years of the uh, pandemic, the last two summers of the pandemic, the price of RVs had risen and the demand had risen to all-time highs. They've sold more RVs in the last two years than you would ever believe. Uh, They can't make them fast enough. Back in Elkhart, Indiana, where they put these things together, they're just uh, really hard to get parts, to get different things, to uh, put these things together and send them out on the road. So if you want to go buy one, you're going to pay top dollar for it right now. Although, again, according to the industry trends, that stuff is starting to ease up a little bit. And I think that that's uh, that's not a bad thing. That that's that's a good thing that this stuff is. uh, Who knows? Maybe we're starting to see the other side of this. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Well, let's uh, talk about I, I wanted to spend a minute just talking about car prices because we all know that they're through the roof. Again, uh, you know, my warning, my advice to you is that if you are looking at buying a new car, don't. Don't right now, unless you absolutely have to. The average, according to um, Cox Automotive Research, the average price of a new vehicle, the transaction price is up to $46,526. And consumers are now in the 11th straight month of an over sticker market. That means that if the sticker on that car, which is the price we always use when we tell you what a car is worth, if the sticker price on that car is $50,000, you are going to pay more than for you know, I usually try to negotiate lower. That's not happening right now. Over, you're going to pay over sticker price for that car in 99.99% of the cases. It's just, uh, it's you know, there's a shortage on cars, still a shortage on chips. It's the way it is. Unfortunately, that is what. You are going to uh, see used vehicles. Um, also, according to uh, Cox, is um, the uh, is up again a month over month sales gain again in April. So, cars are a lot right now, and if you need one. You're going to pay for it. If you don't need one and you can fix your car and you can get the parts for it, the best thing you can do right now is hold on to what you got. That's that's the sage advice from uh, your pal Vinny. You do not 
want to uh, want to buy a car right now if you don't have to. So keep that in mind. And what else we got going on? Oh, I love this story. Um, especially, matter of fact, if my friend Jim Valley is listening and his lovely wife, Carrie, I hope you're listening. If not, I'm going to send you this story anyway. But remember when you were a kid and you went to Disneyland or Disney World? And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm hip to this because my little nephews just went to Disneyland, uh, Disney World last week. And one of the coolest things you could do if you were me, a little kid that was into cars, was go and ride uh, the Autotopia ride, which were these little gas-powered cars that ran on a little track, and the front kind of looked like a, a Corvette. And the back um, looked like an Opel GT. And these were the coolest little cars. I mean, you know, when you want this is forget everything else. Forget it's a small world and all that. You know, young Vinny runs toward Autopia. Runs toward it. That's you can you can take everybody else on every other ride. Just let me go round and around and around and around and around on this. Okay. Well, uh, an auction house has gotten a hold of a bunch of Disney memorabilia, including a used Disneyland Autopia car. So you can buy one. They have it at auction. Also, a car from Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, a rocket jet from uh, the spinning ride in Tomorrowland, and an original Skyway gondola. From the sky buckets. Remember the sky buckets that went up? They had them at the World's Fair in New York in 64, 65. And they were at Disneyland. Matter of fact, according to this uh, article uh, on Auto Week by Mark Vaughn, the uh, good friend of the show, this uh, is one of the, uh, this particular Skyway gondola that's on sale is one of the only ones that has seen service at both Disneyland and Disney World. So there is a ton of, there's a lot more Disney memorabilia, but these are the ones that stand out uh, right away. The engine is removed for the, from the car. I guess they, they don't want to sell with the engines, but people before have bought these cars and uh, refurbished them. And, I'm, and, and because my friend Jim Valley it's such a Disney freak. I mean, this guy goes to Disneyland. Him and his wife go there everywhere. Um, I wanted to make sure that uh, that you and he knew about this. Now, uh, the bidding right now on the park used original Autopia car is at sixteen thousand five hundred dollars. I think that is seven days to go on this. Uh, the uh, park used original Mr. Toad's wild ride vehicle, 17,500 with a week to go. And uh, what's the, uh, oh, the, the, and I think this is really cool. The rocket, the park used original rocket jet vehicle is a bargain at just $11,000 bidding right now. 
I mean, you could, these are the, the black and white ones. It has an official park number on it with the yellow plastic cone with the light in the front. And uh, I know I, you know, when I went to Tomorrowland, I got in this thing or one like it. And um, they're just cool. So if you're, uh, you know, if you got some coin, even if you don't have some coin, go take a loan out. Uh, but if you got some coin, how cool would it be to have one of these hanging in your rec room? Hanging in your man cave, you know, hanging where you watch your football or baseball games. I'm telling you what, if I had the bucks, I'd buy one. I think it's kind of, I think it's a cool toy. And it's, and it, you know, I'd, I'd rather, I don't know, I just think it's cool to have something like that. And there's also a lot of other really cool Disney stuff. Um, on this website. And uh, once again, it is, let me give it to you once again. It's Heritage Auctions, uh, the world's largest collectibles auctioneer. Just go to, uh, to heritageauctions.com and you will find and go to the Disney auction and you will find it. There's, uh, you know, there's, like I say, a, a bunch of really cool stuff uh, around the Disney trains that are there, the drum heads uh, of different, just really cool stuff that I'm sure that if you are a Disney freak that uh, you would love to have hanging somewhere in your house. They would have a, uh, what was I looking at here? Oh, a conductor's hat, $310. For the Santa Fe and Disneyland Railroad conductor's hat that was used from 1955 to 1974. So very cool stuff. All right, as far as cars go, well, we're speaking about cars. Uh, Volkswagen rocked the automotive world this week. Absolutely rocked it. How did they do that? Uh, a little little conference call where one of the, the uh, executives in Volkswagen was speaking in an Instagram posting and it set the automotive world on its ear. It seems that Volkswagen is officially going to revive the international scout. Now, for those of you who may not know what an international scout is, you probably should look it up. But before there was the Bronco, in 1966, uh, there was in 1961, the International Scout, a short wheelbase, high off the ground, four wheel drive vehicle with a removable top. Later on, you could get a pickup that <clears throat> looked suspiciously like uh, the Jeep CJ5 and really did just about everything a Jeep CJ5 could do. It was really a spectacular little vehicle. My dad had one for a while um, at a service station. Used to have a, a, a snowplow hooked up to it. And it was very cool, very um, Spartan inside. I mean, it, this basically was two seats, uh, in, in the stamped steel body, a four-cylinder engine, and uh, I don't even think you could get it with automatic transmission in the first editions. I think they all came with three or four-speed sticks. And all-wheel drive. 
Because, you know, International was a truck company. Wasn't a car company. They made uh, pickup trucks and delivery trucks and trailers and, uh, you know, those kind, box trucks. They made those kinds of trucks. They didn't make any cars. But they wanted something that would, I guess, more be more like a service vehicle or, or more like a, a small vehicle that could get to distant places off the road for a lot of their, um, you know, back then, a lot of the trucks you saw for utility companies and so on and so forth were internationals. Their, you know, their, their trucks were just the, the most rugged, the best, really incredible trucks for that medium duty and light duty delivery and utility service. And um, many years ago, the Scout disappeared. I think it was in 76, 77, somewhere in the uh, late 70s. The Scout just uh, went by the wayside as International went through a number of changes. But the um, Volkswagen has been looking for some kind of entry into the American pickup truck market. And they said that, hey, we're going, to, uh, we're going to take this name that we own, turn it into a, an electric vehicle, and we're, going to, and we're going to put it out there. And we're going to see what people uh, think. And the reaction to this uh, vehicle has been phenomenal. It, uh, it, you know, I mean, they had talked about this and talked about this. And then the Wall Street Journal broke the story. It'll operate as a separate subsidiary of Volkswagen in the U.S. It'll be made in the United States, in Tennessee, I believe, near Chattanooga. There are, um, there is an image of it, a, a rendering of it on um, the uh well, you can go to almost any automotive website. We'll put one up uh, on Drive Time Radio as well, and I'll let you see it. There, uh, you know, they want something that's uh, like many automotive manufacturers are doing now. They're realizing that people are going further off the road. That people are using, uh, in many cases, in some cases, I'm not going to say most cases, in many cases. There are people that are using these cars to go further off the road. Uh, they want to get to that stream to go fishing. They want to get to that cabin in the middle of the woods. And maybe if you go out and you buy an ID4, might not do the trick. And this will do the better. And VW has, you know, bought International many years ago. So they have the right to, do, to use that name. And they're just going to call them scouts. And I think they're, uh, I mean, I've always been a fan of this vehicle. I've been looking to buy one for a number of years. You know, I just want to find the right one. And uh, they are, uh, as I said, very rugged, excellent, comfortable vehicles. Well, comfortable in the fact that, you know, when you, when you drive it, you, you feel like you're not squeezed in. Now, I don't know what the new one's going to look like, but in the older scouts, they had some, some width to them, uh, you know, comfortable for an off-road vehicle. 
is a relative term. If you're too comfortable with that thing, and it really got driven home to me when I drove the forerunner, which we're going to review this week, um, you know, that a vehicle that really is designed for off-road sometimes can shock you as to the ride because of the tires, because of the suspension. It's really, I think, tough to bake in that luxury ride on the road where you don't feel anything and a ride where you feel everything. And, you know, you got to find that line in the middle to the engineers and we'll see how they do with the scout. Uh, But again, when you buy one of these things, and I think the people that are first time buyers of pickup trucks are learning about this, that, uh, you know, these, these are trucks. If you want a car, if you want something that rides like a car, stick to a crossover. But if you want that uh, truck feeling, uh, if you want that off-road capability, that that heavier off-road capability, that capability that will get you over a log or over a, a Ford, a little bit of a stream or something like that, uh, the, the exchange for that is a little bit of ride on the asphalt. It just feels different. It's built for a different purpose. And engineers have done a great job in many of these vehicles I've driven of bringing the two together, the forerunner being one of them that uh, I, I would definitely point to as one that, that brings it together. And the kind of tires you use have stuff to do with the kind of suspension you put in these vehicles. How you gear this vehicle for your particular purpose has a lot to do with it, but you definitely, uh, I, I always see people get shocked when they jump into, uh, into one of these things and find out that, uh, it's a little different than they expected, but that's, uh, that's okay. They'll, uh, <laughs> they'll get over it. <laughs> oh, what else is going on? All right. A couple of recalls quickly before we go to the break here, Mercedes Benz, if you have, a let's see an MLGL or R class crossover, a 292 or 287 SUV from the 2006-2012 model years. Mercedes Benz is saying to not drive the car, to get it towed to a uh, a dealer, uh, because. And it's unusual for a car company to do that. But there is a problem with the brake booster housing that can join, uh, uh, cause it to corrode. Uh, and that's not good. Because you could wind up having a vehicle that is extremely hard or impossible to stop. So, uh, you know, beware if you have one of those older SUVs. Um, keep an eye on that, please. And also, uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. The Hyundai Sonata is back in the news. Uh, they're recalled again for a fuel leak. Uh, this is a recurring problem. With uh, the Hyundai's, um, and you need to pay attention to it. They had a 
noticed it went out a couple of weeks ago and said, don't park a Hyundai inside your garage. Um, now, the Sonata Midside Sedans, 2013 and 2014, have um, joined that list saying that there's an increased risk of a fire. So, please, do, your, uh, do yourself a favor. And if you have one of those, check with your dealer. You can go on the NHTSA website, and they will give you all the dope on uh, what is uh, what you need to do to um, uh, get the warranty fixed, or you can just go to your dealer and uh, and talk to them, and they should have all of the information uh, for you. All right, we'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll jump into Yo Vinny. We'll also uh, got an interesting rental car question for you. Very interesting rental car question, right? All right. So it is Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny. And uh, be right back after a quick commercial. What does it take to be a Buick? It takes a car as wild and wonderful as the new Buick Wildcat for 64. When you go the way of the Wildcat, people take notice. They want to know more about your car. They'll want to drive it themselves. But beware, once they get behind the wheel, it's hard to get them out. Sixty-four Wildcat. It's the wildest. And above all, it's a Buick. Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150KKNW.com on the web. Hey, radio. New York video here with you on this gray Saturday morning. At least it's not raining, so that's a good thing. That makes you feel at least uh, like you can get out of the house today and do something. Although you don't feel if you get out of the house anyway when it's raining, right? Who Who the heck stays home when it is raining? All right. Here is an interesting thing that has come down from the Hertz people. Hertz uh, rent a car. Now, I, I don't think a week goes by that we don't see somebody uh, or some news show showing a picture of some driver who has uh, hit the gas instead of the brake, doesn't know how to control a car, and, you know, goes through a storefront or runs uh, somebody down. It's just, it's becoming an all too common occurrence because cars are faster these days. There's more horsepower in cars. And uh, I don't know if any state requires you to take a test if you drive a car over a certain amount of horsepower which I think is ridiculous. I think that you should, if you buy a car with 900 horsepower, you should have to prove 
that you can handle that car. Just plain and simple. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not one that says that, uh, I don't know, that the government should be breathing down your neck or anything like that. But, but good God, man. Um, have you ever driven something with 900 horsepower? I have. And it's a different animal. You hit the gas and things happen by the force of inertia and torque and uh, of gravity that don't happen when you hit the gas in that six-cylinder Toyota that you're driving. And so now, you know, Ford puts out a Shelby GT500, right? Very fast car. I think they have about 600 horsepower. Well, now you are going to be able to go to Hertz. And if you have the money to rent this thing, you are going to be able to rent a car, a Ford Mustang, a Shelby GT500H in a special black and white or white, uh, excuse me, a, a black and gold or a white and gold paint job. Uh, special suspension, motor train, you know, it's a race car. It's, it's, it's no different or, or not much different than a race car that you would see at Daytona. And more powerful than a lot of the race cars you, you've seen in the 60s. Well, Ford and Hertz are going to rent this car out. Um, I don't... Uh, Again, I don't see that there's going to be any requirement to rent this car. As a matter of fact, it, it, there's also going to be a 450 horsepower edition. And in certain cities, you're going to be able to go to the Hertz counter and rent this $900, uh, this 900 horsepower car. And, you know, listen, I'm, I, I just, some of the cars that are being produced today, I really, I, I, I think there should be a test. I think you should have to get some kind of an accreditation to drive a car like that. I mean, I, I don't believe that I have freedom and but you know what? Again, every week we see it. Somebody uh, is in a pole. Somebody has driven a car into a crowd of people. Somebody has driven this. Somebody has driven that. There are certain cars that I believe are too powerful for the average driver to handle. That's it. That's all. And if you want to drive that car, God bless you. But show somebody, prove to somebody that you have the ability to drive it. I mean, I've taken courses in high-speed driving and defensive driving and different, different things like that. Uh, you know, the Bondurant School and, and, and different uh, performance schools because the car companies want you to do that when you're driving their high-performance cars. Uh, BMW has a school down in Palm Springs, uh, uh, the M school, 
And that's certainly something that needs to be, uh, you know, looked at by other car manufacturers. I know some manufacturers have performance schools, but I think that it should be required. I mean, how long is it going to be before, if it hasn't happened already, you know, some some dad wants to give his son or daughter uh, a 900 horsepower car for their graduation. So they got an 18-year-old kid just got their driver's license and they're sporting around, um, you know, a Shelby Mustang with 700 or 900 horsepower. Again, uh, you know, I've got experience in this and I can tell you it's a different animal. It's not like a regular car. You, you it, it is easy to hit that gas and throw that car into um, a hurtling out of control uh, two ton or three ton projectile. And I just hope that um, the people that do this kind of stuff in the state, the state patrol, um, and other people start to institute at least make them take a class. If you don't want to test them on it, make them take a class so they understand what this car is about. That it really isn't a street car. That you've bought a racing car. That you've bought a car that is probably um, at least double more likely to kill somebody. And certainly leaves you much less margin for error when you're driving. You know, if you hit the gas in the Toyota Corolla and it starts to roll down the street and you're not quite controlling it, you know, you, you get to 30 miles an hour, you stop. These cars go from zero to 60 in three seconds. Three seconds, and you are up to highway speed. What's your reaction like in three seconds? What's my reaction like in three seconds? Damn scary is what it is. So I I just call on people to use, I, I know common sense is in short supply in our world these days, but use some common sense if you're a parent. And your kid wants to buy one of these things with their hard-earned money. That's great. But make sure they go to school, uh, to a performance driving school, and learn how to use it. Let them take them down to a track and get them a helmet and let them practice with the car off the street. Please don't put kids in danger. Don't put people in a community in danger with these cars. Um, I'm all for speed. I'm all for enjoying cars. I'm all for it all. But you also um, have to be responsible. You have to because you don't get a second chance a lot of times if you make a mistake. You or somebody else winds up injured or maimed or killed. Because you didn't know what to do in a situation. 
Well, the situation came upon you so rapidly. Well, I don't know it would go that fast. Well, it does. And you know, because I told you. So uh, I'll get off the soapbox now, but I just think that that's something that local police departments and the governor and, and people need to pay attention to with these cars and um, uh, the, the number of horsepower that they're putting in rental cars these days. Uh, it, it needs to be looked at, needs to be thought about and needs to be, uh, needs to be uh, um, at least there needs to be some mechanism to make sure that the person that you rent that car to, that the person you put behind the wheel to that car knows what the hell they're doing. All right. We're going to uh, jump into the cartoon of uh, the Saturday morning cartoon brought to you every week because cars and music go together so well. I love them. Start on the radio. You go to cruise the car. It's beautiful. This week we uh, get a gentleman who is um, one of the great guitarists of all time. He's, uh, uh, he's, he's appeared in Seattle a number of times. He's a fixture around the blue scene, around the guitar scene. His name is Steve Earl, and he has a little ditty about a little 66 that he drives. There you go, Steve Earl and his sweet little 66. And uh, I've had a couple of sweet 66s myself. Uh, great cars. It is true they don't build them like they used to build them in the, the 60s. But to be fair... You get in a car today, man, and it's like uh, you, you, you're going into a whole world of of the future. Uh, and it's it's I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to me, the period we are in right now. I mean, that's why I do this show, because I'm so enamored of I mean, I can only imagine that this period of time around cars is what it must have been like uh, in, you know, like 1899 and 1900, 1901, when cars were first coming on the scene. And, you know, every week there seemed to be either a new car company or a new innovation. Um, you know, some people drove steam cars. Some people drove uh, gasoline cars. Some people drove diesel cars. Uh, you know, uh, you, you bought a car for what suited your purpose. And I think we're clear on into that right now. It's a very, very exciting time in uh, the automobile world. And if you, you know, if you consider your car more than just an appliance, there's a lot of great stuff to follow along. And we hope that we bring it to you here on Drive Time. All right, time now for, uh, yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? Which is something that we do every week because people always ask me, uh, yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? And I am driving, oh, am I driving? <laughs> I love this car that I'm driving this week. I really, um, I am driving the Lexus, the 2022 Lexus LX 600 Ultra Luxury. And I'm going to tell you something. It is ultra luxury. It It is, I mean, this is a, a brand new design for this car. It is a big SUV uh, that has uh, captain's chairs in the back, captain chairs in the front. It's big. It's mini. It's beefy. It's bouncy. It's a spectacular driving car. Now, you know how I, I told you before that 
you know, sometimes you get these cars and they don't drive like you think they're going to uh, drive. Um, you know, it doesn't have that car-like ride. Well, when you when you have a car that's $128,000, you bake in some of that ride. This car is, it, it covers it on so many ends. Let's first start with the exterior. It is a tall stand-up SUV with plenty of windows, plenty of glass, plenty of visibility, and plenty of um, that that feeling you get when you drive a car down the street, you're sitting high, and you're looking down at everything. Uh, it's it, For me, it's, it's the best driving position because you can see all over the place. So once you get, so you're in the car, uh, you get in, you have to do a little bit of climbing. It's, as I said, it's high, but it has three adjustable places with its air suspension. So you can raise it up high, you can put it in the middle, and you can lower it. If you raise it up high, you get a lot of ground clearance. So it makes it a lot easier for you to go over hill and go over dale if you got to. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it really does, um, you know, hit that spot where you, uh, uh, you, you know, you feel confident if you're going to go off-road with it and that it'll raise itself up. It'll go over some things. It has incredible drive modes in it, uh, everything from directing the power to the right wheel to get you over uh, a stump or out of trouble, uh, height to get you over a boulder, skid plates on the bottom to protect the bottom of the vehicle. And it has, um, it, it, it has uh, one of the things that I love, which is the downhill crawling, which is set it into, and I mean, this thing is loud. It sounds like the engine's falling out sometimes. But as you drop it down, you don't have, all you have to do is just let it go down by itself. And a, a computer sends the power to the right wheels to slowly move it down a hill. It's foolproof. If you're not somebody that grew up in the North Woods trying to figure out how to uh, stump jump, it's a beautiful car. Inside, as you get in this thing, beautiful leather seats. Uh, as I said before, captain's chairs in the back, as well as the front um, controls for uh, the air conditioning system, the audio systems, all these different systems in the back, as well as in the front. So if somebody wants to change to their particular zone, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, you sit back there, the seats, the rear seats recline. And massage. Recline and massage. And there's a dang foot massager in this thing. I'm telling you, I don't, you know, if I'm up at the cabin, all you need to do is get yourself uh, jump in a lake, come out, jump in his car, sit back in the reclining seat, and enjoy yourself. <laughs> The only, the only quirky thing about it is they don't have a massaging seat 
for the driver. And I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't notice that really until yesterday. So I'm going to call Lexus on Monday and try to find out what's going on there. Because, I mean, if I'm shelling out 128 grand for a car, I want my back rubbed while I'm driving to work. Now, I don't care if you got to send somebody over from the office and rub my back. But somebody's doing some rubbing for $128,000 on the driver, not just the passengers. I'm just putting that out there. So, but the Lexus uh, LX 600 Ultra Lux really uh, puts this car into the best luxury position um, that you can. You know, they don't do the uh, the, the uh, Land Cruiser anymore. You know, Toyota's not bringing a Land Cruiser into the United States. So this is probably the closest thing you can get to that spectacular vehicle that you can buy. And at 128000 it sounds expensive, but for what you get, I think it's uh, it seems to be a value. I love the color of it, too. Uh, the green. I love the spaciousness inside. Uh, this really is a phenomenal car. If you're one of those people that love that big ride, go anywhere type of vehicle. Uh, really something that's uh, incredible. So that's the and we'll have a full report on it coming up in um, next week. On this one, we'll give you the full review, but uh, the initial impression of this car is uh, nothing but spectacular. All right, why don't we do our drive time road test now real quickly, because we do have to, uh, by the way, V6 power in this thing, 409 horsepower out of a V6. It's amazing how much you don't miss uh, the V8 engine in these cars. All right. And as far as uh, the road test of the week, we talked about it last week. I'll talk about it again this week, the 2022 Toyota forerunner, which um, for my money is one of the best four wheel drive vehicles out there. The Toyota forerunner is one of the originals. It's been around for years and it hasn't changed much in all of those years. It's still true to what it is supposed to be, a truck that will take you as far off the road as you need to go at a good price. As a matter of fact, the uh, TRD that I drove, the Toyota T, uh, Florida TRD that I drove, TRD Sport, clocked in at a sticker price of 45904 bucks. And that, my friends, was a bargain. Now, you didn't have some of the ultra-luxury stuff that you have in, in uh, the Lexus, but you didn't need it. It harkens back to a time when trucks were trucks and cars were cars. Uh, it handles any off-road. First of all, the outside is attractive. Uh, this car... Uh, the color of this car was that uh, kind of battleship gray color, and it was beautiful. I more compliments on the color of this car. Um, the lines are classic for a Forerunner. They look, uh, you know, you can take a, a, a 95 Forerunner and put it next to it, 
And there isn't a heck of a lot of difference. It's gotten a little bigger, a little chunkier, but not a heck of a lot of difference. If you buy a 4Runner, you know what you get? A solid off-road vehicle. Um, Spacious inside, not as big as the Lexus, but there's a lot of room to move around. Good materials on the seats, but also materials that clean up quickly. So that if you go and get mud all over the place, it comes right off. Uh, good room for the people in the back seat. Good room for people in the front seat. Spacious seats, wide speech with good support, which is something that you need when you're going off-road. It really is. A, an off-road trip is a much better trip when you're comfortable in your seat. As far as uh, the drive modes and switching it to, to low, to high, easy, Switch a dial switch on the console does the trick. It has the uh, downhill, you know, drive. It has uh, everything you need to go off road. And one of the things I love about the Toyota, about the Forerunner, is it has the split tailgate. So. You can actually roll down the window or power down the window of the tailgate and drive around like that. And on a hot day, you don't want to use the air conditioning. You open up the windows, you open up that window in the back, and it creates this great breeze that goes through the car. Yeah, like it used to be. Um, I owned two of these forerunners uh, back in... Uh, back in the 90s, and I loved it. Again, like I said, $45,904 is the sticker price, and it is the vehicle to have if you want to go off-road. All right, that's going to uh, finish it up for us today. We will check you out next Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, if the Lord's willing, and the creek don't rise. Have a very good week, and thanks for listening.